Hi guys! Nowadays, I already have my very own Instagram. If you want to um, visit my Instagram, you may go to Instagram and search Book Girl G. Yeah. So, in my Instagram, I do artworks of my book fanatics. It's not loaded yet with artworks. It has nine so far. But give a month and it would be loaded. Promise me. It would be loaded. So, I hope to see you in Instagram. If you can visit my Instagram and perhaps follow it, I'll be really glad. So, so today I'll be reading um, chapter 12. Enjoy! Chapter 12. We check in to CC Spa and Resort. I woke up in a rowboat with a makeshift sail stitched off gray uniform paper. Annabeth sat next to me, tacking into the wind. I tried to sit up and immediately felt woozy. Rest, she said. You're going to need it. Tyson? She shook, she shook her head. Percy, I'm really sorry. We were silent while the waves tossed us up and down. He may have survived, she said half-heartedly. I mean, fire can kill him. I nodded, but he had no reason to feel hopeful. I'd seen that explosion rip through solid iron. If Tyson had been down in the boiler room, there was no way he could have lived. He'd given his, he'd given his life for us, and all I could think about were the times I felt embarrassed by him and had denied it the two of us were related. Waves slapped at the boat. Annabeth showed me something she'd salvaged from the wreckage. Hermes Thermos, now empty, a Ziploc bag full of ambrosia, a couple of sailor shirts, and a bottle of Dr. Pepper. She'd fished me out of the water and found my knapsack, bitten in half by Silas' teeth. Most of my stuff had floated away, but I still had Hermes' bottle of multivitamins. And of course, I had Riptide. The ballpoint pen always reappeared back in my pocket, no matter when I lost it. We sailed for hours. Now that we were in the sea of monsters, the water glittered to a more brilliant green, like hydra acid. The wind smelled fresh and salty, but it carried a strange metallic scent, too, as if the thunderstorm were coming, or something even more dangerous. I knew what direction we needed to go. I knew we were exactly 130 nautical miles west by northwest of our destination, but that didn't make me feel any less lost. No matter which way we turned, the sun seemed to shine straight into my eyes. We took turns sipping from doctor, the Dr. Pepper, shading ourselves with a sail as best as we could. And we talked about Malay's dream of Grover. By Annabeth's estimate, we had less than 24 hours to find Grover, assuming my dream was accurate, and assuming the Cyclops Polypamus didn't change his mind and trying to marry Grover earlier. Yeah, I said bitterly, you can never trust a Cyclops. Annabeth stared across the water. I'm sorry, Percy. I was wrong about Tyson, okay? I wish I could tell him that. I tried to stay mad at her. 
but it wasn't easy. We've been through a lot together. She'd saved my life plenty of times. It was stupid of me to resent her. I looked down at our measly possessions, the empty wind thermos, the bottle of multivitamins. I thought about Luke's look of rage when I tried to talk to him about his dad. Annabeth, what's Chiron's prophecy? She pursed her lips. Percy, I shouldn't. I know Chiron promised the gods he wouldn't tell me. But you didn't promise, did you? Knowledge isn't always good for you. Your mom is a wisdom goddess. I know, but every time heroes learn the future, they try to change it, and it never works. The gods are worried about something I'll do when I get older, I guess. Something when I turn 16. Annabeth twisted her Yankees cap in her hands. Percy, I don't know the full prophecy, but it wasn't about a half-blood child, but it warns about a half-blood child of the big truth. The next one who lives to the age of 16. That's the real reason Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades swore a pact after World War II not to have any more kids. The next child of the big tree god of the big tree, Horatio 16, will be a dangerous weapon. Why? Because that hero will decide the fate of Olympus. He or she will make a decision that either saves the age of the gods or destroys it. I let that sink in. I don't get seasick, but I sign, but suddenly I felt ill. That's why Cronus didn't kill me last summer. She nodded. You could be very useful to him. If he can get you in the side, the gods will be in serious trouble. But if it's me in the prophecy, we only know that if he survived three more years. That can't be a long time for a half-blood. That can be a long time for a half-blood. When Chiron first learned about Talia, he assumed she was the one in the prophecy. That's why he was so desperate to get her safely to camp. Then she went down finding and got turned into a pine tree, and none of us knew what to think until you came along. On our port side, a spiky green doors opened about 15 feet long, curled out of the water and disappeared. This kid in the prophecy, he or she couldn't be like a cyclops, I asked. The big tree have lots of monster children. Annabeth shook her head. The oracle said, half blood that always means half human half god there's really nobody alive who it could be except you then why do the gods even let me live it would be safer to kill me you're right thanks a lot percy i don't know i guess some of the gods would like to kill you but they're probably afraid of offending poseidon other gods maybe they're still watching you trying to decide what kind of hero you're going to be you could be a weapon for their survival after all. The real question is, what will you do in three years? What decision will you make? The, did the prophecy give any hints? Annabeth hesitated. Maybe she would have told me more, but just then a seagull swooped, swooped down of nowhere and ha landed on our makeshift mast. Annabeth looked startled as the word, bird dropped a small cluster of leaves into her lap. Land! She said, land, there's land nearby. I sat up. Sure enough, there was a line of blue and brown in the distance. Another minute, I could make out an island with a small mountain in the center, a dazzling white collection of buildings, 
a beach dotted with palm trees, and a harbor filled with a strange assortment of boats. The curve was pulling our rowboat toward what looked like a tropical paradise. Welcome, said the lady with a clipboard. She looked like a flight attendant. Blue business suit, perfect makeup, hair pulled back in a ponytail. She shook her hands as we stepped into the dock. With a dazzling smile she gave us, you would have thought we'd just gotten off the Princess Andromeda rather than a banged-up rowboat. Then again, a rowboat wasn't the weirdest ship in the port. In port. Along with a bunch of pleasure yachts, there was a, a U.S. Navy submarine, several dugout canoes, and an old-fashioned tree-masted sailing ship. There was a helipad with a Channel 5 Fort Lauderdale helicopter on it and a short runaway with a Learjet in a propeller plane that looked like a World War II fighter. Maybe there were replicas for tourists to look at or something. Is this your first time with us? The clipboard lady inquired. Annabelle and I exchanged looks. Annabelle said, um, first time at spa, the lady said as she wrote on her clipboard. Let's see, um, she looked at us up and down critically. Mm, I'm Harold Rafferty for the long lady, and of course, a complete makeover for the young gentleman. Oh, what? I asked. She was too busy jotting down notes to answer. Right, she said with a breezy smile. Well, I'm sure Cece will want to speak with you, personally, before Lua. Come, please. Now, here's the thing. Amber and I were used to traps, and usually those traps look good at first. So I expected the clipboard lady to turn into a snake or a demon. Uh, something in a minute. But on the other hand, we'd been floating in a robot for almost of the day. I was hot, tired, and hungry. And when this lady mentioned the luau, my stomach sat up on his hind legs and begged like a dog. I guess it couldn't hurt, Annabeth muttered. Of course it could, but we followed the lady anyway. I kept my hands in my pockets where I stashed my only magic defenses. Hermes molar vitamins and reptiles. But the further we wandered into resort, the more I forgot about them. The place was amazing. There was a white marble and blue water everywhere I looked. Terraces climb up the side of a mountain with swimming pools on every level, connected by water slides and waterfalls and underwater troops you can swim through. Fountains sprayed water into the air, forming impossible shapes like flying eagles and galloping horses. Tyson loved horses, and I knew he loved those fountains. I almost turned around to see the expression on his face before I remembered. Tyson was gone. You okay? Amber asked me. You look pale. I'm okay, I lied. Just let's keep walking. We passed all kinds of tame animals. A sea turtle napped in a stack of beach towels. A leopard stretched out to sleep on a diving board. The resort guests, only young women, as far as they could see, lounged on in jet chairs, drinking fruit smoothies or reading magazines while herbal gunk dried on their faces, and manicurists in white uniforms did their nails. As we headed up a staircase toward what looked like the main building, I heard a woman singing. Her voice drifted through the air like a lullaby. Her words were some language other than ancient Greek but just as old, we know a maybe or something like that. I couldn't understand what she sang about, moonlight and olive groves, 
and the col- the colors of sunrise and magic. Something about magic. Her voice seemed to lift me off the steps and carry me toward her. We came into a big room where the whole front wall was windows. The back of wall was covered in mirrors, so the room seemed to go on forever. There was a bunch of expensive-looking white furniture, and on the table in one corner was a large wire pet cage. The cage seemed out of place, but I didn't think it about it too much because then I saw the lady who had been singing, and whoa! She sat at the loom at the size of a big screen TV, her hands weaving colored thread back and forth with amazing skill. The tapestry shimmered like it was three-dimensional. A waterfall seemed so real I could see the water moving in clouds drifting across a fabric sky. Annabeth caught her breath. It's beautiful. The woman turned. She was even prettier than her fabric. Her long dark hair was braided with threads of gold. She had piercing green eyes and she wore a silky black dress with shapes that seemed to move in the fabric animal shadows. Black upon black, like deer running through a forest at night. You appreciate my weaving? You appreciate weaving, my dear? The woman asked. Oh, yes, ma'am. Annabeth said, my mother is. She stopped herself. You couldn't just go around announcing that your mom was a Tina, the goddess who invented the loom. Most people would lock you in a rubber room. Our hostess just smiled. You have good taste, my dear. I'm so glad you come. My name is Cece. The animals in the corner cage started squealing. They must have been guinea pigs from the sound of them. We introduced ourselves to Cece. She looked me over with chains of disapproval, as if I failed some kind of test. Immediately, I felt bad. For some reason, I really wanted to please this lady. Oh dear, she sighed. You do need my help. Ma'am, I asked. Cece called into the lady in the business suit. Hyla, take Annabeth on a tour, will you? Show her what we have available. The clothing will need to change, and the hair, my goodness. We will do a full image consolation after I've spoken with this young gentleman. But, Annabeth's voice sounded hurt. What's wrong with my hair? Cece smiled benevolently. My dear, you are lovely, really, but... You're not showing off yourself for your talent. I were all so much wasted potential. Wasted? Well, sure, you're not happy the way you are. My goodness, there's not a single person who is. But don't worry, we can approve anyone here at the spa. Hyla will show you what I mean. You, my dear, need to unlock your true self. Ambeth's eyes glowed with longing. I never seen her so much at loss for words. But what about Percy? Oh, definitely, Cece gave me a sad look. Percy requires my personal attention. He needs much more work than you. Normally, if somebody had told me that, I would have gotten angry. But when Cece said it, I felt sad. I disappointed her. I had to figure out how to do better. The guinea pigs squealed like they were hungry. Well, Annabeth said, I suppose. Bright this way, dear, Aunt Hyla said. And Annabeth allowed herself to be led away into the waterfall lace gardens of the spa. Cece looked, took my arm and guided me toward the mirrored wall. You see, Patsy, to unlock your potential, you'll need serious help. The first step is admitting that you're not happy the way you are.
I faced it in the front of the mirror. I hated thinking about my appearance, like the first zits that cropped up on my nose at the beginning of the school year, or the fact that my two front teeth were perfectly even, or that my hair or that my hair never stayed down straight. Tisi's voice brought all these things to mind my mind, as if she were passing me under a microscope. And my clothes were not cool, I knew that. Who cares, pardon me, thought. By standing in front of Cece's mirror, it was hard to see anything good in myself. There, there, Cece consoled. How about we try this? She snapped her fingers, and a sky blue curtain rolled down over the mirror. It shimmered like the fabric on her loom. What do you see? Cece asked. I look at the blue cock. Not sure what she meant. I don't. Then it changed colors. I saw myself. A reflection. But not a reflection. Shimmering there on the cloud was a cooler version of Percy Jackson. With just the right clothes, a confident smile on my face, my teeth were straight, no zits, a perfect tan, more athletic, maybe a couple of inches taller. It was me, without the fault. Whoa, I managed. Do you want that? Sissy asked. Or shall I try a different? No, I said. That's that's amazing. Can you really? I can give you a full makeover, Cece promised. What's the catch? I said. I have to, like, eat a special diet? Oh, it's quite easy, Cece said. Plenty of fresh fruit, a mild exercise program, and, of course, this. She stepped over to her wet bar and filled a glass with water. She ripped open a drink mix packet and poured in some red powder. The mixture began to glow. When it faded, the drink looks like a strawberry milkshake. One of these substituted for a regular meal, Cece said. I guarantee you'll see results immediately. How is that possible? She laughed. Why question it? I mean, don't you want the perfect you right away? Something nagged at back of my mind. Why are there no guys at this spa? Oh, but there are! Cece assured me. you meet them quite soon. Just try to make sure you'll see. I look at the blue tapestry, at the reflection of me, but not me. Now, Percy, Cece chided, the hardest part of the makeover process is giving up control. You have to decide. Do you want to trust your judgment about what you should be or my judgment? My throat felt dry. I heard myself say, your judgment. Cece smiled and handed, handed me the glass. I lifted it to my lips. It tastes just what it looked, like a strawberry milkshake. Almost immediately, a warm feeling spread through my gut, pleasant at first and painfully hot, searing as if the mixture was coming to a boil inside of me. I doubled over and dropped the cup. What have you, what's happening? Don't worry, Percy, Cece said. The pain will pass. Look, as I promised, immediate results. Something was horribly wrong. The curtain dropped away. In the mirror, I saw my hands shriveling, curling, glowing long, growing long, delicate claws. First batted on my face, under my shirt, and every comfortable place, uncomfortable place you can imagine. My teeth felt too heavy in my mouth. My clothes were getting too big, or Cece was just getting too tall. No, I was shrinking. In one awful class, I sank into a cavern of dark cloth. I was buried in my own shirt. I tried to run, but hands grabbed me, hands as big as I was. 
I tried to scream for help, but all that came out of my mouth was, Reed, Reed, Reed! The giant hand squeezed me around the middle, lifting me into the air. I struggled and kicked with legs and arms that seemed much too stubby. Then I was staring, horrified, into the enormous face of Cece. Perfect! Her voice boomed. I screamed in alarm, but she only tightened her grip around my fully belly, furry belly. See, Percy, you've unlocked your true self. She held me up to the mirror, and what I saw made me scream in terror. Reed, Reed, Reed! There was Cece, beautiful and smiling, holding a fluffy, buck-toothed creature with tiny claws and white and orange fur. When I twisted, so did the furry critter in the mirror. I was, I was. Again a pig, Cece said. Lovely, aren't you? Men are pigs, Percy Jackson. I used to turn them into real pigs, but they were so smelly and large and difficult to keep. Not much different than they were before, really. Guinea pigs are much more convenient. Now come and meet the other men. Reed! I protested, trying to scratch her, but Cece squeezed me so tight. I almost blacked out. None of that, little one, she scolded, or I'll feed you to the owls. Go into the cage like a good little pet. Tomorrow, if you behave, you'll be on your way. There is always a classroom in neighbor and you'll get a pig. My mind was racing as fast as my tiny little heart. I was needed to get back to my clothes, which were lying in a heap on the floor. If I could do that, I could get reptile out of my pocket and, and what? I couldn't even account the pen. Even if I did, I couldn't hold a sword. I screamed helplessly as Cece brought me over to the guinea pig cage and opened the wire door. Meet my discipline problems, Percy, she warned. They'll never make a good classroom pet, but they might teach you some manners. Most of them have been in this cage for 300 years. If you don't want to stay with them permanently, I suggest you... And Beth's voice called, Miss Cece? Cece cursed an ancient Greek. She plopped me into the cage and closed the door. I squealed and clawed at the bars, but it was no good. I watched as Cece hurriedly kicked my clothes under the loom, just as Annabeth came in. I almost didn't recognize her. She was wearing a sleeveless silk dress like Cece's, only white. Her blonde hair was newly washed and combed and braided with gold. Worst of all, she was wearing makeup. But she never thought Annabeth would be caught dead in. I mean, she looked good, really good. I probably would have been tongue-tied if I could have said anything except, Read! 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 But there was also something totally wrong about it. It just wasn't Annabeth. She looked around in the room and found, Where's Percy? I screamed into her room, but she didn't seem to hear me. I squealed up a storm, but she didn't seem to hear me. Cece smiled. He's having one of our treatments, my dear. Not to worry. You look wonderful. What did you think about your tour? Amber's eyes brightened. Your library is amazing. Yes, indeed, Cece said. The best knowledge of the past three millennia. Anything you want to study? Anything you want to be, my dear? An artifact. Pa! Cece said. You, my dear, are the makings of a sorceress like me. Amber took a step back. A sorceress? Yes, my dear, Cece held up a hand. A flame appeared in her palm and danced across her fingertips. My mother is Hecate, the goddess of magic. I know a daughter of Athena when I see one. 
We are not so different, you and I. We both seek knowledge. We both admire greatness. Neither of us needs to stand in the shadow of men. I I don't understand. Again, I squeeze my best, trying to get Amber's attention, but she didn't. Either couldn't hear me or didn't think the noises were important. Meanwhile, daughter Ganapay were emerging from their hut to check me out. I didn't think it was possible for Ganapay to look mean, but these did. There were half a dozen with dirty fur and cracked teeth and beady red eyes. They were covered with shavings that smelled like they really had been there for 300 years without getting their cage cleaned. Stay with me, Cece was telling Annabeth. Study with me. You can join the staff, become a sorceress, learn to bend enders to your will. You will become immortal. But you are too intelligent, my dear, Cece said. You know any better than to trust that silly Campbell for heroes. How many great field half-blood heroes can you name? Um, Atlanta, Amelia Earhart. Bah, men get old glory. Cece closed her fist and extinguished the magic flame. The only way for power for women is sorcery, media, calypso. Now there were powerful women. And me, of course, the greatest of all. Your you sissy Sears Yes, my dear. See Annabeth back up and see Sears laugh. You need not worry, I mean no harm. What have you done to Percy? I already helped him realize his true form. Annabeth scanned the room. Finally she saw the cage of me scratching at the bars. All the other Gana pigs frowning around me. Her eyes went wide. Forget him, Sears said. Join me and learn the ways of sorcery. But your friend will be well careful. He'll be shipping to the wonderful new home in the mainland. The kindergartners will adore him. Meanwhile, you will be wise and powerful. You will have all you ever wanted. Annabeth was still staring at me, but she had a dreamy expression at her, on her face. She looked the same way it had when Sears enchanted me into drinking the Ganaping milkshake. I squealed and scratched trying to warn her to snap out of it, but I was absolutely powerless. Let me think about it, Annabeth murmured. Just give me a minute alone to say goodbye. Of course, my dear, Cece, Sears cooled. One minute. Oh, and you, oh, and you so have absolute privacy. She waved her hand and the iron bars slammed down over the windows. She swept out of the room, and I heard the locks on her door click shut behind her. A dreamy look melted off Annabeth's face. She rushed over to my cage. All right, which one is you? I squealed, but so did all their guinepigs. Annabeth looked desperate. She scanned the room and spotted the cup of my dreams staking out under the loom. Yes! She rushed, she rushed over and rummaged through my pockets. But instead of bringing out Riptide, she found a ball of Hermes multivitamins and started struggling with a cap. I wanted to scream at her. This wasn't the time to taking slippermints. She had to draw the sword. She popped a lemon bowl in her mouth just as the door flew open and Sears came back in, flanked by two of her business student attendants. Well, Sears said, how fast a minute passes. A minute passes. What's your answer, my dear? Dips. Annabeth said, and she threw her bronze knife. The sorcerer stepped back, but her surprise quickly passed. She sneered. Really, little girl, a knife against my magic? Is that wise? 
Cheers looked back at her attendant, who smiled. They raised their hands and as if preparing to cast a spell. Run! I wanted to tell Annabeth, but all I could make was were rotting noises. The other Genepigs squealed in terror and scuttled around the cage. I had the urge to panic and hide too, but I had to think of something. I couldn't stand to lose Annabeth the way Plus Tyson. What will Annabeth's makeover be? Serious Mew. Something small and tempered and tempered. I know a shrew. Blue fire coiled around from her fingers, curling like serpents around Annabeth. I watched, horror struck, but nothing happened. Annabeth was still Annabeth, only angrier. She left for ward and struck the point of her knife against Sears neck. How about turning me into a panther instead? One that has his claws at your throat. How? Sears yelped. Annabeth held up my bottle of vitamins from the sorcerers to see. Sears howled in frustration. Curse Hermes and his most high vitamins! Those are such a fat! They do nothing for you! Turn Percy to back to the human or else, Annabeth said. I can't! Then you ask for it. Sears, Sears' attendant stepped forward, but her mistress said, but her mistress said, Get back! She's immune to magic until that cursed vitamins wears off. Annabeth dragged Sirius over to the guinea pig's ca guinea pig cage, knocked the top off, and poured the rest of the vitamins inside. No! Sirius screamed. I was the first to get a vitamin, but the, all the other guinea pigs scuttled out too and checked out this new food. The first nibble, and I felt all fury inside. I gnawed at the vitamin until it stopped looking so huge. And the cage got smaller. Then suddenly, bang, the cage exploded. I was sitting in the floor, human again, somehow back in my regular clothes. Thank the gods. With six other guys who all looked disoriented, blinking and shaking wood shavings out of her their hair. No, Sears screamed. You don't understand. Those are the worst. One of the men stood up. A huge guy with long, tangled, pitch black beard and teeth the same color. He wore much masked clothes of wool and leather, knee-length boots, and a floppy felt hat. The other men were dressed more simply in breeches and stained white shirts. All of them were barefoot. Ah! bellowed the big man. What's the witch done me? No! Sirius moaned. Ambit gasped. I recognize you, Edward Teach, son of Ares. I lost. The big man growled. Thou most call me Blackbeard. And there's a sorcerer to cap but captured us last. Run at you and then I mean to find me a big bowl of celery. Sis Sears screams. She and her attendants ran from the room, chased by the pirates. And Bet she her knife and glared at me. Thanks, I faltered. I'm really sorry. Before I could figure out how to apologize for being such an idiot, she tackled me with a hug and pulled away just as quickly. I'm glad you're not again a pig. Me too. I hopped. My face wasn't as red as it felt. She undid the golden braids in her hair. Come on, seaweed brain, she said. We have to get away while Sirius is distracted. 
We ran down the hillside to the terraces, past screaming spa workers and pirates ransacking the resort. Blackbeard's men broke the tiki torches from the luau, threw herbal wrappings to the swimming pool, and kicked over tables of sauna towels. I almost felt bad letting the roly pirates out, but I guess they deserve something more entertaining than an exercise drill after being cooped up in a cage for three centuries. Which ship? Annabeth said as we reached the docks. I looked around desperately. We couldn't very well take our rowboat. We had to get off the island first, but what else could we use? A sub? A fighter jet? I couldn't pilot any of those things and I saw it. There, I said. Annabeth blinked. But I can make it work. How? I couldn't explain. I just somehow knew an old sailing vessel was the best for me. I grabbed Annabeth's hand and pulled her toward a tree mast ship. Painting on this pro was a name that I would only decipher later. Queen, Queen Anne's Revenge. Ah! Blackbeard yelled somewhere behind us. The Stalwags are boating me vessel. Get him, lads! We're never. We'll get. We'll never going. Get going in time. Annabeth yelled as we climbed aboard. I look around at the hopeless maze of sail and ropes. The ship was in great condition for a 300-year-old vessel, but it would still take a crew of 50 several hours to get underway. We didn't have several hours. I could see the pirates running down the stairs, waving tiki torches and sticks of celery. I closed my eyes and concentrated on the waves lapping against the hull. Those currents and the winds all around. Suddenly, the right word pop- appeared in my mind. Mizzen mast! I yelled. Ambit looked at me like it was nuts, but in the next second, the air was filled with whistling sounds of throats being snapped taut, canvases ex- and furling, furling, and wooden pulleys creaking. Ambit ducked as the cable flew over her head and wrapped itself around the bowsprit. Percy, how? I didn't have an answer. I could tell the ship responding to me as if it were part of my body. I willed the sails to rise as easily as I reflexing my arm. I willed the rudder to turn. The Queen's Anne's revenge lurched away from the dock, and by the time the pirates arrived at the water's edge, we were already underway, sailing into the Sea of Monsters. That was the end of Chapter 12. Stay tuned for Chapter 13, Annabeth Tries to Swim Home.